Greetings to my lovely audience. My name is Sylvan. I use he, him pronouns, and welcome back to LGBTQSU. Hope everyone's having, uh, hope everyone's having a week at least. Mine's been definitely, uh, interesting. Uh, but, you know, it's fine. We're, we're working through, and it's Sunday. You know, it's been a nice long weekend. I've had some time to chill and relax, so I'm feeling a bit better. Uh, however, spring break was not long enough. Oh, my God. I really, <laughs> I was not ready to come back to campus, guys. I really wanted to just stay home and, like, have some actual time at home, because I really only got, um, I was at home for the first weekend, uh, not even the full thing, and then I was on a choir tour with the university choir, which was super fun, very, very fun experience, uh, but very tiring, and then I went to ZenkaiCon, uh, the last weekend of spring break, which is super, super cool. I've never gone to a, it was an anime convention for those unaware. Um, I've never been to an anime convention before, like really any convention other than, you know, like indoor drumline in high school. Uh, and it was super fun. I got to cosplay and I got to see all these different, like all these really, really cool cosplays. It was super fun. Um, lots of fun, fun, fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, now that we're a minute and 20 seconds in and all I've done is ramble, uh, today we're going to be talking about gender and other cultures. Uh, so for those that are unaware, the trans J of visibility was, uh, at this point, like two, three days ago, I think. I'm really bad at dates. Uh, it really snuck up on me. Um, but I wanted to do gender stuff, like, like you know, gender-related things again because of that. Uh because, you know, gotta get, gotta get as much visibility out there as possible. Um, so because, yeah, also for those unaware, Western society has an incredibly narrow-minded view of gender and sex. I mean, I'm sure most of my listeners out there would already know this, but, you know, just friendly reminder. Many cultures, specifically indigenous cultures all around the world, expanded beyond the two-sex, two-gender system long ago. Um, but... You know, speaking of around the world, as a note, most of the terms on this list are not English terms. So I did, um, I did some research on how to pronounce these, but uh, please don't crucify me if I get them wrong. I'm really doing my best, and I am stupid, and that's okay. But anyway, moving on, um, I found an article from screenshot.com or .org. I don't have it listed, uh, but it's from Screenshot. Um, about 10 different cultures that have accepted non-binary gender identities for centuries, breaking out of the binary system that so many in today's time accept as the norm, which, in fact, was not the norm for many different cultures. Uh, so starting off with Samoan culture, those assigned male at birth but identify as female or fluid are called fafafines, and those assigned female at birth but identifying as male or fluid are known as fafatamas. Uh, so in Samoa, these identities are seen and respected fully. If you say you are both male and female or neither, this will be taken at face value, um, which I thought was really cool. Uh, like a lot of the, a, a lot of these cultures, um, well, okay, all of the ones in this list either just respect the identities or in fact revere them to a degree. And I think that's so, that's really cool to me um, that instead of being like so scared of these changes and so averse to them, like most in Western society, they in fact celebrate it and think of it as, um, you know, like a gift. And like, that's really cool. And, you know, I wonder what would have happened in Western society if that had been the case, um, if we would have expanded beyond the two gender, two sex system, or, you know, just like stuck with what we stuck with what we had, but just, 
you know, took trans FTM and MTF people more seriously. Uh, you know, you'll never know. And not much, not much use thinking about the what ifs because it just makes us sad. <laughs> uh, but continuing on, this one might be a little more familiar. I knew this one already, actually. But in North American Navajo culture exists the identity of two spirit. These people identify with masculinity and femininity and are believed to contain both male and female spirits, hence the name. Not only is this accepted, but two-spirited people are actually revered in their communities for being a channel between the physical and the spiritual. And for the specific native tribe, the Zuni tribe, the term is Lamina. Um, so I just, I think, okay, I think the two-spirit identity, like, it really resonates with me um, as a spiritual person. Um, but of course I'm not native, so, and I don't, I don't feel that the term encapsulates me anyway. Um, so I don't use it for myself, of course, but I do think that it's a really cool term and I think it, it's, it's really beautiful, frankly. Um, I just thought, like, I've always loved that term when I, when I, I don't remember when I first heard it, but I've always loved that term. I thought it was really, really pure, really pretty. Um, so I just, yeah. And I like that I actually know like, one of the names, like, one of the actual native names for it now, Lamina, um, so that's, yeah, that's cool, um, zooming next to the third in the list, in Juchitan de Zaragoza in Mexico are the Mushes, which are people assigned male at birth but do not identify as male nor female. The Mushes are well known in the town, traditionally admired for their talents in embroidery, hairstyling, cooking, and craft work. However, some modern Mushes are challenging the ideas of what Mushes are able to do. Um, and something really interesting about a lot of those, a lot of the ones in this list, is that um, a lot of the ones are centered around those assigned male at birth, which I found very intriguing. Um, and you know, I do know that a lot of these societies are still patriarchal. Um, some of the ones in this list actually reflecting straight from the patriarchy. Um, so I just, I think it's interesting that a lot of these, if they don't have both, are only centered around those assigned male at birth. Um, and I, I would love to learn more about like why that's the case and how they, um, if there are other identities that just aren't being talked about in this article, or if this article is the one being patriarchal and weird. Um, <laughs> but you know, I only I can only do so much research per episode, uh, or else I'll never get any of my other work done. So, yeah, I can only do so much. But I do think that that's really interesting and something to think about. Um, let's see. Next in the list, uh, moving to the other side of the globe in Madagascar, the Sakalava people re recognize a third gender called called Sakrata. Uh, boys in these communities that present feminine traits are raised as girls from a young age and aren't viewed as lesser than, which most most modern parents would definitely like like modern western parents um would call the child gay but sexuality isn't a factor for them it's just boys presenting feminine traits are then just raised as girls um which is so intriguing because a lot of people um like a lot of a lot of transphobic people use the argument that like we're trying to turn ch kids trans and we're rushing them and this isn't really what they want but in like, the Sekalava people are just, they just do it, and it's just fine, <laughs> and, like, it's not harmful, at least from the, what it seemed in the article, it's, it's not a harmful thing, like, it's a really great thing for these, for these children, um, but again, it's the boys presenting feminine traits, what about the girls that present masculine traits, 
are they then raised as boys or are they still raised as female um so yeah very i this this was really fun to read through um like the article is really interesting it didn't go super super in depth into anything in particular if you couldn't tell already considering we're almost halfway through and it's not even been 10 minutes um i might have to find another article but that's okay um but yeah it's so funny to me that a lot of these um a lot of these places are like a lot of these cultures are like doing something that a lot of western transphobes argue is going to happen from trans people even though you know as trans people are like no we're not converting your children we're not giving a five-year-old female testosterone we're just letting the five-year-old female dress in boys clothes and that's fine um so like i don't um i i just i wonder if these transphobes have heard of these cultures and like what they would say probably many um <laughs> culturally insensitive transphobic and possibly racist things um but you know like it's already been done before and not by force and th things things seem to be working out pretty great for them <laughs> oh goodness uh moving on though so this this next one is interesting actually because from what i can tell in the article these people don't necessarily see themselves as a different gender but indirectly take on that role which is why it's in the list um so in albania the balkan sworn virgins are women who have taken a vow of chastity uh for those who don't know that term it's that they will never have sex in their lives um, these sworn virgins, therefore, wear men's clothing and are elevated to the status of a man and benefit from the patriarchal society. And according to a National Geographic documentary in 2002, which is a little old, um, estimated that there were only around 100 sworn virgins left. And that was 20 years ago. So, you know, I wonder how few there are now or if there's possibly more or if uh, the population of sworn virgins has kept itself pretty stable. Um, but again, only so much research can be done per episode. Um, and I was mostly just focusing on getting, you know, reading through the article and pulling out all the cool information for you guys. Um, but I'm also really, really interested to know if some of these people genuinely feel they are men and take on the role of sworn virgin in order to present how they feel best, or if it's seriously just a cultural or religious thing and the clothing and presentation isn't about gender. Um, or if it is simply to beat the patriarchal society in the only way they know how um because like i've heard of i believe it's india but i don't want to get that wrong um so please don't quote me on this but there is a country and a culture that is perfectly accepting of transgender people but not gay people so there's a lot of um, I, I've heard a lot of lesbian couples in particular doing this, where one of them will transition to male in order to be together. Um, and I think that's really interesting. Uh, it's not listed here in this article. It's just something that, that made me think of. Um, yeah. So anyway, next on the list, number six. Uh, this is another one I was like kind of... Oh, yeah. Um, this is back in India. Um, this is not what I was talking about, but um, this one, 
this is like I was kind of familiar with it but not extensively in South Asia the third gender has been known and recognized for centuries in fact India legally recognizes hijras those typically assigned male at birth but don't identify but aren't identifying as male after and they started legalizing legally recognizing them goodness after the British criminalized their existence in 1871 um side note am I the only one who didn't know that India was a British colony until like very recently both in the both in the like as in I didn't know until recently that it was like a British colony and I didn't know that it like was a British colony until very recently. Thank you American education system. <laughs> God, that that could be its own podcast um let alone its own episode, but you know, that's not that's not queer stuff. So, no, I mean, of course, part of the stuff that we're not taught is queer, very much so. But anyway, that's the topic of the American education system is not inherently queer, so I can't spend a whole episode talking about that. Um, but anyway, that's that's not what we're talking about. Um, but something really, really cool is that Hydras actually have their own language known as Hydras Farsi, um, which like, can you imagine? Well, okay. <laughs> Some people th- do feel that, like, trans people have our own language, <laughs> both because in the, like, Gen Z way of, like, millennials, well, no, millennials know what we're talking about, um, like, Gen X and boomers not having any idea what we're saying because we're just talking in, like, TikTok references and stuff like that, but, like, especially with trans people, like, calling somebody an egg means something very different to a trans person than it does to a cis person that's not in the know. <laughs> um but the fact that they have their own language is really, really cool. And actually, despite um, like despite the fact that they're legally recognized and also served the monarchy for centuries, they're now mostly outcasted in society, but the Hydras continue to preserve their language and culture to this day. I think that is so cool. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> uh, okay. Um... So yeah, it's not exactly what I was talking about in regards to the culture that um, rec- that accepts trans people but not gay people. And again, I don't want to say it's India if it's not India. I just, I think it is, but I'm not sure. But yeah, so I was I was a little familiar with that one, but not, not extensively. I did not know about their own language and such. But anyway, continuing in Nepal, the Métis people have been legally recognized as a third gender as of 2007, which actually set a precedent for the third gender categories in documentation. That is really cool. Um, I know a lot of people that, like in my personal life, that really, really want, um, they really want a third gender option um, because, you know, obviously I'm young and queer. I know a lot of non-binary people. Um, And Honestly, I think that, like, having a third gender option, even for cis people, just, like, not needing to list that. But I guess, you know, pass uh, airport metal detectors scan for male versus female, which is a really interesting experience for trans people in the airport. Um, but again, that's not the topic of today. Anyway, the Métis. Uh, Métis are those assigned male at birth but assume a traditionally feminine appearance. Again, centering around AMAB people. And I wonder... Like, both if there's AFAB people in society that um, are accepted for straying from their assigned gender at birth, um, and if they use the same labels, um, or if they're viewed, 
like viewed differently or and have like a different label or s- and something like that. Um, but the article seems quite deliberate in its uses of absolutes versus well, it's just usually what it is. So I'm not entirely sure because for this, like for um for the Métis people, um. They are, it explicitly said, there are those assigned male at birth but assume a traditionally feminine appearance versus, let me see, um, oh my goodness, I had one, I had one, I swear, it was here somewhere, um, like in the, in the, in the one about Hydra's, it said, like, those typically assigned male at birth but don't identify as male, so, like, do AFAB people use the term Hydra? If they're trans, are they not allowed to? Are they these different one? Um, you know, more and more research is possible. Just all very, very interesting things. Um, continuing on though, in uh, in the eighth uh, eighth on the list in Thailand, there are over a dozen common gender identities, including toms, much like the term tomboy. And I really do wonder if this is where it comes from toms are women who adopt masculine mannerisms and style and speak using male speech terms so again like i i wonder if they are genuinely women and are using this as just like a manner of style and it's not really about gender in the same way that it would be to like western society or if only some people use it as a proper gender representation or if all of them use it that way um it's just really interesting um and i'd love to i'd love to actually talk to people that like identify in these ways in the modern day i think that'd be really cool um but also something that they mentioned in the article um apparently toms are often attracted to d's women who follow traditional thai gender norms um so that was interesting like i don't i'm not entirely sure why they included that information but it was very interesting to know that like the the women who are breaking away from or at least like the toms whether they identify as women or not um that are are adopting male matter male mannerisms and using male speech terms are usually supposedly attracted to women that are very traditional in their gender presentation and their gender norms um it's i just think that's interesting it's like the thing that comes to mind is the nuclear family model that's not really what it's not really what I'm looking for because the nuclear family model is not inherently just about the parents. It's about like the family. Um, but that it's really the only thing I can think of. Um, Oh, I'm trying to scroll down and it's like basically the end of the list. (laughs) Uh, nearing the end of the list here though, in indigenous Australian culture are the brother boys and sister girls. Love those terms, by the way. It gen. Okay. I'm saying like, I don't want this to come across in an offensive way. It genuinely sounds like something that drag queens would use. Like, and I love that. Like, it's it's just so friendly. <laughs> um, that used by aboriginals and Torres Strait Islanders, brother boys and sister girls are someone whose gender experience is inconsistent with their assigned sex, with brother boys donning a male role in their society and sister girls donning a female role. So it's just the aboriginal term, essentially, for FTM and MTF people. Um and everything about Australia is so weird. <laughs> like, the fact that this island literally started as some prison island with drunk British people, and but then it didn't actually start that way, which I don't even know. I know that there's obviously indigenous Australian 
culture and indigenous Australian people. But like, it also just like became a prison island and like this combination and ev- and like the spiders. <laughs> God, uh, I'm in a I'm in a rambling mood today. Um, everything about Australia is weird, but that is really cool. <laughs> I would actually consider going to Australia to learn more about this. For any money you, not in my personal life, I, I, I don't like Australia. I don't like it. I don't want to go there. It gets obscenely hot, and it, there's scorp- there's everything there wants to kill you. But I would go to learn more about the Aboriginal people and the brother boys and sister girls. That I would do. <laughs> Ugh. Okay. Finally, the last on the list in Indonesia, the Bugis have seen gender on a spectrum for centuries. In addition to male and female, the Bugis recognize Kalabai, which is feminine men. Kalalai, femin- or masculine women, and intersex bisu priests. I'm not sure if this article used the, word, used the term intersex right, because in my momentary research of making sure that I'm pronouncing these even remotely correctly, um, intersex never came up. Intersex, like, when I talked about the bisu priests, it only said, like, like I, if I remember correctly, it was it was talking about, like, just those that aren't binary like it's the i feel like the article may have been meaning to use the term non-binary but just kind of got it confused or maybe they are right and i just read it wrong or i don't know but just like as a note i'm not sure if the article used that term correctly um so okay with like indonesia and thailand um and like of course many of the other countries and cultures on this list I do find it really interesting that, like, I know next to nothing about them, but they have this diverse view of gender, and my Western education has completely blinded me to their existence, and also just, like, literally the lives and existence of anybody in those countries beyond the idea that, like, oh, it's a third world country, like, they're undeveloped, they live in huts, all of this, like, stupid stuff that is obviously not true but why would they teach us that in high school um and then like here they are with like way more advanced views on gender than western society that views itself as so elite and so much more established and cultured and grown and we're like nope xx equals female xy equals male and that's it (laughs) And that's literally not even it. Like, that's not it. We have the science to know that it's not it. And we have all of these other cultures around the world that tell us, no, that's not it. But of course that's it. <laughs> you know, it's just so, it's so great. Um, but, you know, as I've mentioned many, many times, I really love all the research that I get to do for this podcast and all the things that I get to learn um, to, you know, like fill in the gaps of my American education um, and also just learn more about these things that are really important to me and all of these different cultures like from all around the world have these really interesting views on gender and all these different gender identities that have been accepted to varying degrees i mean the hijras have their own language for god's sake that's so cool (laughs) um and it 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 just kind of reminds me of like you know how much of a bubble we're in here And, of course, there's a lot of stuff that we need to focus on in the United States and other um, 
like other especially like english speaking primarily like western countries there's so much that we need to work on in regards to lgbtq identities and acceptance and around the world as well of course um like just because these cultures accept these identities doesn't mean that they're perfect towards different sexualities or different genders um like even the ones like even with the hijras that served the served the monarchy are now outcasted um there's still of course all this work that we need to do but it's still so really cool to sit back and look at this huge web of human existence that has been queer and all of the different terms and the languages that have been used for it and to know that like even if only for just a spot in history that these were accepted fully is very heartwarming to me and very encouraging because um, you can only look at the bad stuff bef- for so long before you just like give up and just feel that you can't do anything about it but you know then you look at this list and you're like wow <laughs> like there's all these people throughout history that that made it there's all these queer people that made it and we can get there we can fix it we can we can do that and that's just really cool um but at this point, I'm just rambling. The list is over. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically, um, TLDR, Western society needs to get with the program. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was that. that is 10 different cultures that have expanded beyond the Western society's two-gender and two-sex model. Um, and of course, this list is far from non-exhaustive. Um, even within the topics themselves, let alone all of the other cultures that have these different gender identities um, and different sexualities, um, or at least their different acceptance on sexualities. Um, there's so much more to learn. And um, like a, this podcast is really great for me as like a, just a jumping off point and a way to share with people that I care about the things that I care about. Um, but I still very much encourage you to keep doing research on your own and also view this podcast as a jumping point to learn from rather than an exhaustive source. Um, Cause I can only do so much, especially as like a mentally ill college student. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think it's really cool to, that, you know, I can provide a way to at least get some information to the people out there and, you know, maybe get somebody really invested in a certain topic and, hopefully you know inspire some inspire some good in the world and inspire some change definitely inspiring some some positive change and some some motivation in me too so i hope it's spreading to you guys but that does wrap up our episode for today i hope you guys have an amazing week we are powering through to the rest of the through the rest of the semester we're getting there we have seven weeks left including finals so we will get there and we will get there together All right. Have a good one, everybody. I'll see you next week. Bye.